A Look Within podcast is brought to you by the South Carolina Department of Mental Health, a healthcare organization providing innovative mental health and wellness services across all of South Carolina. Learn more about our services and resources at www.scdmh.net. Creative outlets are sacred spaces that give us an opportunity to learn new things about ourselves, to de-stress, and to even reconnect. And if you're fortunate enough to participate in the creative process with a trained and gifted art professional, it can offer you a powerful, transformative experience. In today's conversation, we speak with the art therapist, Marianne Hebner, about the role of art, creativity, and art therapy in our lives. Marianne is a licensed art therapist with Hopeway, an evidence-based mental health treatment program for adults and families in the Charlotte, North Carolina region. She studied fine art at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, as well as abroad in Florence, Italy. Her work with art therapy and trauma led to the successful creation of an art therapy program at the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. And today, her art therapy programs are an integral part of the Hopeway clinical experience. What follows is our conversation about the role art therapy may play in both a therapeutic setting and in enriching our day-to-day lives. So welcome, Marianne. Thanks for being here. And uh, I'm really interested in this topic uh, of art therapy on so many different levels and excited for you to kind of explain a little bit more for us uh, and for our audience. So I was hoping maybe you could just we could just start by just telling us a little bit about what is art therapy? Fabulous. Well, David, thank you for having me on this podcast today. And sure. uh, one of my favorite things to talk about actually is art therapy. So we are we are good to go. Right. Um, art, art therapy to a lot of people is a foreign concept. And I, I like to start out by saying that it's not actually a new field. Um, it's just not very well known. Hmm. So this is changing as more people are seeking counseling and therapy services that they're connecting more with art therapists. And the more we talk about mental wellness, um, we also have to include the necessity of creativity and creative outlets in that conversation. So they kind of go hand in hand and we'll get more into that in a little bit. Um, But art therapy itself is a form of expressive therapy. So a lot of us are familiar with the, um, talk therapist, like your regular therapist. And we know that they ask the question, you know, like, hmm, how does that make you feel? Right. right. And the art therapist would ask the question, huh, I wonder what that looks like. Hmm. It's kind of the easiest expression of of how to define art therapy. Um, But it really, it's, it's using that creative expression to improve a person's physical, mental, and emotional well-being. And art therapy combines traditional psychotherapeutic theories like attachment theories and the techniques like we are getting more familiar with CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy and DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. Those are terms that are thrown a lot out in the the therapy field. So we take those traditional practices and we use the creative process um, to kind of explore it in a different way. It gives us just a different perspective. So um, there's a lot of what we call effective properties in different art materials that will come up as people use them. And I know that's kind of a nutshell, but, or this kind of a mouthful, but in a nutshell, like I'm a licensed therapist who practices creativity as well as language to work with folks on whatever it is that brings them into therapy. So my job marries art and psychology together. 
And I'm also an artist. So I have a knowledge of materials and how they work. And I have studied the impact of those materials on self-expression and mental wellness. Gotcha. And so you mentioned uh, this effective properties. I thought that was really interesting. Can, can you explain that a little bit more to us? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the affective properties, like we use different materials because they bring out different things for us. So for instance, if I'm working with someone who has a lot of anxiety, I can work with clay or, you know, like a model magic. And that tends to be really grounding, right? It, it mm. sort of takes away that anxiety. Um, a quick little example of, of a affective properties. When I uh, first started, I was an art therapist. I worked in a children's hospital mm -hmm. and I worked with a lot of teenagers who had the uh, misfortune of being in car accidents. Yeah. And one of the things I found with these teenagers, you know, teenagers are always sort of grappling for control in their world anyway, right? Like right. That's kind of the, the plight of the teenagers, how do I yeah. have control over my yes. own life? And they lose that control with, with the car accident, go back, they gain control by getting their driver's license, right? And so they think, and right. then they lose that control when there's an accident. And what I found when I worked with them in the hospital is that every single kid that I worked with who had been in a car accident worked in pencil, hmm. you know, plain number two pencil. Right. And the reason is it's, it's the most controllable medium. Hmm. You can make a line, you can erase it, right. you can make a line, you can erase it. And so it allowed them to sort of regain aspects of control over their lives. Now, do I want them stuck in pencil? No as an art therapist and I come in and I say, well, part of our treatment plan is that we have to get back to accepting life as it is, meaning it's messy, it's sloppy, we make mistakes. So we can start out in pencil and eventually we're going to work our way to watercolor, which is the least controllable art material out there. Now, yeah, yeah right? So that's some of those affective properties where it's going to you know, if I have a need to get control over my life, I'm going to use something that I have control over like pencil. If I need to release that control, then we're going to work towards something that is less controllable. So is a lot. And what's interesting to me about, you know, the pencil or the watercolors is sort of the symbolism aspect of it, which it seems like it gives you then the opportunity to, to sort of have a different conversation with, um, well, in this case with a teenager about, you know, they may not even know, right? If the, you know, the reason they're using the pencil is this, you know, some issues may be around issues of control or that, that kind of a thing. And so it allows you to have that kind of conversation. Is that, is that so art therapy on some level becomes sort of like a gateway to deeper conversation or? Yes, you hit the nail on the head. Oh. Um, art therapy offers uh, not only the gateway to a deeper conversation, um, a lot of times it's easier to talk about what we've just created than it is to talk about what's going on inside, mm. right? I can put words to that thing that I see, right? I can't always put words to the thing that I feel. So it gives us that different perspective. It can shift our perspective. Um, as human beings, we grow up we, with language as our primary form of communication. So we think, I mean, we have body language, et cetera, but really language is what we're, we're most uh, adept with. Yeah. We are not as adept at manipulating images. We're, we're just not. And so when it comes to the art making process, a lot of stuff shows up, whether it's the materials we're using or the imagery that comes up or things that are left off um, that 
as an art therapist, as a trained art therapist, you know, you, you sort of pick up on those things and then you can start that conversation talking about the art and, oh, I noticed in this art that this figure doesn't have hands, or I noticed that you could, you know, you really prefer to use pencil, you know, is there any way we could try using a different type of medium or, you know, it, it just, it really opens people up to a different conversation and it, yeah creates in itself a little bit of a safe space. Again, that psychological distance. I'm not talking about these things I feel that I can't see or touch, but I'm talking about this thing that I can touch and then dissect and change. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, I know you, you mentioned sort of uh, being in the hospital and sort of these programs. And I know um, where you work at Hopeway um, offers all different kinds of, of services, but do you have to be, you know, to do art therapy, can you do it in an outpatient type of a setting? Absolutely. So, um, I have, I've been an art therapist for 20 years, almost 20 years, and I've done it in, you know, I've worked in domestic violence, um, in small practices. Um, I've worked in children's hospital, like the medical settings, um, and I've worked with adults with developmental disabilities, and I currently work with adults who are struggling with mental health issues and co-occurring addictions. Mm. There are facilities that offer this. Um, our therapy is really still considered a cutting edge practice, but you can do it in private practice. Uh, yeah, as long as you have a licensed art therapist, what you're engaging in is is art therapy. So it can be anywhere. It can be, again, private practice. It can be in a large facility. It can be in a small uh, nonprofit somewhere. It could be in a profit somewhere. Gotcha. Okay. So there's a lot of flexibility around that for people who may be looking for options. Um, Absolutely. The community. And, and I'll throw this out there as well. It, you know, it's not just for kids. It's not just for adults. I mean, the really powerful <clears throat> thing about art therapy is that it's available to absolutely everybody. So, you know, you can work with the whole family, you can work individually, you can work in groups. I do a lot of group work. I do a lot of group work at Hopeway. Um, it lends itself to uh, almost a life coaching, if you will. I do in private practice. I also do a lot of um, art as meditation. Okay. So Tell me a little bit of, more about that. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it, it brings out the connection between art and, and well-being. So I'm going to touch on that a little bit first, because there's a lot of um, uh, good stuff that connects. Why is art, why does art feel so meditative when I make up? There's a, there's actually neuroscience that supports this. Mm. Um, and then I'll, I'll touch back a little bit on the art is meditation and sure. it, the benefits of that. So um, recently there's a, a lot in the past 10 years, we have a lot more, um, access to neuroscience, neuroscience research. And they've been able to study like what happens when people make art, like what's going on in the brain, what areas light up, et cetera, et cetera. And they've been able to map out all sorts of ways that creativity impacts uh, actually the chemistry in the brain. So when we look at the way that art impacts or art making impacts the chemistry in the brain, we're also looking at, you know, the overall well-being of the brain. So in 2016, there was a study out of Drexel University by an art therapist, and they found, they discovered that 45 minutes of creativity measurably reduces our cortisol levels. So mm. cortisol is our stress hormone. Anytime mm. we're stressed out, that's what floods the brain. And it's fair to say that, you know, we've all had some height, we've all experienced heightened cortisol levels. We've all yeah. been stressed out. And the past couple of years, this has been, you know, through the, through the roof. Um, and 
when we know that we are feeling stressed out, when those cortisol levels are flooding our system, it feels like sleeplessness. It feels like brain fog. It feels like an inability to make a clear decision or to put words to things. It can look like irritability or lethargy or anxiety, depression, right? So when our stress right. hormones are, are racing, this is kind of all the stuff that we're feeling. Right. So to learn that 45 minutes of our thing <clears throat> is actually going to reduce that cortisol level. That's amazing. Mm. Like it art making will actually reduce your stress levels. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that study in 2016 spawned a whole bunch of other studies because this was really breaking news. It's something I think that artists always know. You know, if you talk to artists, we lose track of time. We lose track of, right. hunger, we lose track of our stresses. <laughs> like we're so intensely focused on what we're doing, you know, kind of lends to the stereotype of the absent-minded art artist. Right. But right. we're not, it's an intense focus and it feels good. So we keep doing it. Um, but the other studies that came out, like I think it was 2019, both Drexel and Harvard universities cited that uh, dopamine, which is our feel-good chemical, is actually on the increase when we do things like draw, color, paint, work in clay, or write. Hmm. And now we have like this really wonderful balance. Like not only does art making reduce our stress levels, but it increases the feel-good hormones. Yeah. Right. So, so we're doing this really fabulous dynamic shift at each time we engage in the creative process. Now, one of the reasons that it can do that too, is that it, it increases our focus. When we're making art, we are intently focused on what we're doing. One of the reasons is because back to our, you know, few minutes ago, talking about how adept we are with language, we're not that adept with art materials. Right. It's a whole different way of processing. So, you know, you may be profound in painting, but each time you come to the canvas, it's new. Hmm. Right? It's something you haven't done before. Yeah. Um, the materials might react a little bit differently depending on what's going on in the environment. Or maybe you're not, you know, an artist. So trying anything creative is going to be something new. Um, so that being said, you know, when we engage in creativity, we're intensely focused on what we're doing in part because there's an aspect of it that is novel. So that intense focus shifts that brain, helps to shift that brain chemistry. And it helps to, I don't know, help us understand on an emotional level, it can, what's going on. It can feel more connected. We feel more connected to ourselves. The South Carolina Department of Mental Health is celebrating its 200-year anniversary, offering mental health services for children, families, and adults. SCDMH is one of the first states in the country to provide mental health services. Learn more at www.scdmh.net. So when you're doing um, like these groups and you talk about the meditative art, art, art and uh, meditation piece, I mean, so what does that look like? What might that look like? Um, in one of your sessions. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, when I'm doing art as a meditation, um, yeah. it can look like a variety of ways, right? Um, and what I encourage people to do is to uh, let go of the end product. So a lot of times when we think about art, we're thinking about the end product. What is this going to look like? Is it going to go on my fridge? Is it going to go on a wall? Is it going to go on a gallery? Is it going to go on a museum? <laughs> right, you know, right. got to get rid of that. Like the art product, the end product <laughs> is absolutely a moot point in, in any time of creative process because art therapy is really about the process. And when we're looking at art as a meditation, again, it's really about the process and not the product. So 
you know, we kind of have to give ourselves permission to let go of the product. This isn't going to be anything that I think I'm going to, you know, aesthetically uh, cling to. Well, I would think too, and hopefully this isn't a tangent, but um, that's part of one of the hard parts about people just on their own getting started with any kind of a process like that, mm-hmm. right? Is, uh, is, you know, I have to have all the right tools. I need to have all the techniques. Am I good enough? All that stuff that comes up that I would think, the act of art itself kind of breaks down those types of barriers if you're willing to give it a chance. If you're willing to give it a chance, absolutely. So, you know, I experience a lot of uh, adults, again, who I work with currently are adults that come to me and say, I can't draw. I'm not good at this. I can't do this. My art teacher said back in third grade, you know, there's always a reason why we feel as adults that we can't do this. And my thing is just to immediately give people permission. You know what? Scribbling is welcome. Stick figures are welcome. This isn't about great art. This is about the process. So once we give ourselves permission to engage, then we give ourselves permission to let go of that end product. And then we can engage in the actual process. So one of the processes that I do for the meditation is we breathe, intentional breathing. Notice your inhale, notice your exhale. And then we draw that breath. So you might have a crayon. And as you hold that crayon, as you inhale, you imagine that you are breathing that crayon into you and you make a mark across the page, just a straight line. Hmm. And then as you exhale, you are using your breath to push that crayon away from you, just a straight line across the page. And that's it. You inhale, you pull it towards you, you exhale, you push it away. There's no, you know, Hmm. I'm not making decisions about shape and filling in the shape and what's the composition. I'm simply drawing my breath, breathing it in, pushing it out. And at the end, it's remarkable that you, you have like a whole page of just lines that are really quite beautiful. And, you know, people come up from this art exercise, which usually lasts about 20 minutes and they, they just sort of look like they've blissed out. And I'll say, you know, what, what thoughts are in your mind? And most people will just look at me like, I got nothing. (laughs) And my response is always, you're welcome. (laughs) I love that. You're welcome. Yeah. How's it feel to be completely (laughs) blank upstairs? (laughs) And I, I guess the beautiful aspect of that, as I was hearing you talk is, you know, in the day-to-day, the minutiae of the day-to-day, you know, you can just get so tied up in yourself and so disconnected from your, from your body or from others or whatever. And so, um, you know, some of these exercises around art therapy to me, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, myself personally, I'm like, wow, that would be a great way to sort of, um, balance things out for me or sort of wake me up or you know jolt me in a, in a new or a different way or remind myself of some of these other aspects that are that I keep kind of pushing down or whatever it may be um you know that seems really uh, beautiful uh simple but uh you know a powerful um exercise yeah thank you thank you and it's it's really the simple things i think that hit us most profoundly because we want to write them off. You know, that's like art. It really is such a simple thing. Kids do it all the time. It's how they make sense of their world, right? They, they destroy the crayon. They, they rebuild the paper with the crayon pieces. You know, they, they, it's that deconstruction reconstruction that helps them to learn and grow and understand. And yet as adults, we forget the importance of this play, which literally it is. 
Yeah, it is. It is opening ourselves up to just being present to what is in this moment and being curious about what happens if, what happens if I take a hairdryer to a crayon? You know, a kid's going to get jazzed about that. They're like, what? You can take a hairdryer to a crayon? You know, for me as an adult, I'm like, well, we're going to put it in a box first so we don't get, you know, wax everywhere. So it's be responsible, right? Right, right. Or what happens if, you know, you put a a, a blob of paint in a box and then drop a marble in? Can you move the paint around with one marble? Maybe. What if you had two marbles or three marbles? Now you're starting to talk about a support system. As an adult, we can understand this. Kids are just, again, play. So how many times do we take that opportunity as adults to, to just play? What would happen if you stuck your hand in paint and put that on a piece of paper and started to Well, play? yeah. And so we're kind of, you're talking about some really interesting, cool stuff. Let's get into, for our audience, you know, what would be, you know, because there's the, there's the art therapy component, right? And obviously there's the tremendous value of having somebody who's trained in that. And, and also the clinical aspect of it, and then can facilitate that process. But I would think that, you know, just this idea of creativity and, and art on your own would have benefits for your own mental health and well-being. You know, are there some examples of some things that you can give folks? So after they're listening to this, they might be able to uh, give those a try. Yeah, you know, our, our therapy is always involves the art therapist, but it doesn't mean that any art making isn't therapeutic in itself, right? So right. we see like adult coloring books everywhere. Yeah. We see coloring books everywhere, but now there's this whole uh, genre of coloring books that has come out that are specifically for adults. Why? Because now we know that this art making actually makes us feel good. It reduces our stress levels, increases our dopamine, right? So you can go to any store, like even Target, Walmart, whatever, whatever store it is, and buy these coloring books and engage in just coloring. I mean, when's the last time you sat down and just colored, right? Right. Yeah. It, and does that mean, you know, is it art therapy? No, but is it therapeutic? Absolutely. Is it going to feel good to sit down and color for a little while? A (laughs) hundred percent, you know, go into any of those stores and go into the arts and crafts, you know, the the whole Crayola aisle, right? Like I think I'm walking into Target and they have like that whole, there's a whole aisle. It's nothing but Crayola. It's got, uh, uh, model magic, which is like uh, plastic clay. It's got watercolor paints. It's got markers. It's got, you know, all sorts of like the spirograph. Um, so any way that we can engage in creativity is just going to be a lot of fun. So some of the things that I might recommend, right. The adult color. Sure. Yeah. Um, also recommend, um, what else can people do? Uh, oh, make a mess, give yourself permission to make a mess. So cover a, a table in newspaper. Oh, this is one of my favorite art directives. Mm. This is great for adults. It's a contest, make the ugliest artwork possible, <laughs> right? Like again, cover your table with paper, go outside, cover that table with paper, wherever you want to be that makes you feel more comfortable and bring out all the supplies you have and include, you know, this is a great time of year because there's leaves outside, there's mud, you know, and yeah. just make, make, make the ugliest piece. Like if you have a family or if you have friends around, have them over and be like, listen, Hall, we're having a contest and whoever makes the ugliest piece of art wins. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, is as soon as someone says like, oh, that's pretty cool. Then you're like, oh, I failed. <laughs> I'm making something that looks good. That's not the purpose of this. And that can really open people up to just having a lot of fun. Um, there's another thing that I love to do. Um, Zentangle. Uh, that's a big thing. People can Google that. Mm. Zen. Zen, what was it? Zentangle? Zentangle. Okay. Basically, you scribble on a page. 
Gotcha. That's how you start. You just scribble and then you fill in all the little spaces of the scribble with different patterns. So it might be solid, it might be stripes, it might be polka dots, it might be, you know, little smiley faces. And you can find those patterns online. You, know, you can just Google Zen Tangle and it'll bring up patterns for you. There's also, again, at the local arts and craft stores, they often have like Zen Tangle books. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So we're going back to doodling. Remember, you know, when we were kids, we looked to be about the same age. Uh, you weren't supposed to doodle in class. You got right. in trouble. They thought you weren't paying attention. And here we are now. 10 years later, <laughs> 10 years, I like it, yes, exactly. Yeah, five, six, seven years later, something like that. And there's research out that says Googling actually helps us, or Googling, doodling actually helps us to focus and increases our well-being. So now we have intentional doodling, such as Zen tangles, where you're literally not thinking about a whole lot. You're just engaging in the process of doodling on your page. So, you know, and a lot of these, the ones you just mentioned, I mean, there's the meditative element to them, correct? Am I, I mean, so it's kind of getting you to get out of your head and get out of sort of the constant noise in there and and, um, and engage in something that quiets the mind. Is that, am I off here? Or is it what, what some of that looks like? You are spot on. Um, all of these things are going to help you to quiet the mind, but there's a caveat to that. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, one of the ways that we can help ourselves to become more focused on the art making process yeah. Is to turn your phone on silent, flip it over, you know, so you can't see it, maybe even put it in another room. Right. The other thing that I recommend to people um, is to put on gentle music. Like if anyone, were, if anyone were to come into my office at Hopeway or in my private practice, there's always soft music on, um, mm. but nothing with words. Again, we're attached to language. So if we're yeah. playing, you know, some country song or some rock song or whatever mm -hmm. it is, because we've emotionally connected to it. We're actually connecting to, to the words in addition to the music and it pulls us out of being present. So if your art making with the intention of, you know what, I need to calm myself down, put on something that doesn't have words, classical music, a cello ballad, or maybe that's not your jam. You can put on some meditative music. You know, YouTube has like meditation channels where it's just sounds or music to soften those sounds. So get rid of the, the distraction of the phone, get rid of the distraction of language and just put on some soft music and engage in that art process. Again, it can be, you know, making a mess. It can be scribbling. It can be Zentangle. Um, one of the things I also like to do is I have these little flat marbles, but if you don't have a flat marble, you can use a coin and just follow it around a piece of paper with a pencil. Keep the pencil attached to the coin and try to draw an image, you know, pushing this, either a coin or the flat marble around. It's actually quite challenging. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And yet so simple. So again, it's the simplest things that can have the most profound impact on us. Um, That's really interesting. You know, I want one of the things that, um, that I do, and I think I was mentioning this to you before is, uh, is, is I would start to pay attention to, um, to dreams. And, and then I started uh, because I was doing that after a while, I could remember them a little bit more. Um, sometimes not so much, but then I would, um, I would attempt to draw them or elements of them, you know, and what's funny is you mentioned the pencil. So uh, of course I use that because it was the safest, the safest route uh, at the beginning, but you know, now I, I will paint um, some of the imagery that comes up and, you know, sometimes it's more of this meditative being present and doing something like that component and quiet the mind. And then other times after I'm done, there's some 
symbolic value to it that uh, maybe something I'm dealing with or whatever that's insightful. So, um, you know, I find that kind of helpful and fun and creative. Oh, David, when you're ready to do a podcast on dreams, let's, let's get together again. That's one of my, my favorite jams, right. Is not necessarily dream interpretation, but yeah, creating those images and how do you remember them and why, why are you having those dreams? And so many times those dreams, they come to tell us a story. What is the story they're telling us? Well, it's funny because I initially I was like, wow, they're not telling me anything but i'm just i find them interesting or they were i was like wow that was pretty powerful and then over time you could sort of see the story element to it and it was almost as if there was something inside that was just you know trying to to speak to you so and um and i found it very valuable and it sort of creates a shift too from the mundane to sort of the more um i don't know more exciting day-to-day of you know being here kind of a thing so so i've really enjoyed that and i view that you know as there's an art i mean certainly an art component to it because i mean i'm drawing or painting it however without really caring what it looks like um, other than for me yeah no that's that's profound and beautiful i'm glad that you do that and it can actually the more you work to remember your dreams the more you will remember your dreams there's a, a strange little chemistry yeah. that happens when we wake up that they sort of go into the ether and we're like, that's so weird. I just remembered it a second ago <laughs> right, when right. I remember it now. But if you make a practice of writing them down or drawing them, drawing them out, you'll actually remember them more, which is Yeah, that cool. has been what's happened to me. Um, well, you know, um, our time is short here. So I just wanted to see, are there, are there some other things around art therapy uh, Marian, that you wanted to make sure that our audience um, just knew about or uh, or understood. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of things. One, art therapy is uh, you don't have to be a great artist to go to an art therapist. Um, hmm. If you're really struggling to get help, it doesn't, you know, to get just get help wherever you can. Um, and if there's an art therapist, you know, maybe give it a try. It's going to pull you out of your comfort zone, but that's the whole point is that there's something that we need to address. And sometimes the art can help us address it in a way that's a little bit different, give us a different perspective. So um, art therapy is open to everybody, again, regardless of skill. It's not about skill level, it's about process. Great. Um, so I think that's that's a really important thing for people to know. And the other thing I also want people to know is, you know, engage in that creative process, regardless of what it is, you know, set aside that art making date for yourself, um, whether it's uh, Tuesday nights uh, from seven to eight, you know, it doesn't have to be a long period of time. It can just be, you know, a short amount of time, but maybe watch you know, the Bob Ross Netflix special, right? Bob Ross is great. You can find him on YouTube as well. <laughs> so follow along, you know, see if you can paint. There's also a lot of um, websites out there like Pinterest, uh, there's Skillshare or Skillpop. Those uh, websites will offer classes. So for $25, $35, you can take a, a watercolor class or a drawing Ooh. class, or, you know, learn how to make that little cactus thing you wanted to make. Mm. Um, there's a lot of resources out there, even a lot of art supply stores and, and a lot of artists. I know here in Charlotte, a lot of artists offer classes, learn how to paint, learn how to draw, learn how to use clay. Um, I know, I think it's called Clayworks. They offer clay classes. So if there's something that you're interested in, you know, just take that step and, and set, 
sign up for it. Give a commitment to yourself to engage in a little bit more creativity and see how it feels. And if art making isn't your thing, you know, try music, try journaling. Both, all of those things are equally as beneficial. Excellent. And then, um, and then for you, you know, as, as an artist yourself and an art therapist, I mean, what's been the most powerful kind of thing for you with this type of a, of a process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for me as a, as an art therapist, this has been one of the most profound fields. Um, the ability of creativity to help people through, and myself as well as an artist and an art therapist, to address issues that are really difficult to talk about, to heal in a way that is outside of just language, but eventually adds language to it is, is so profound. Um, I love being an art therapist because every day I see dramatic changes in how people are feeling about themselves and the world in general. And I think that is one of, you know, the earmarks of art making is that creativity allows us to express ourselves and allows us to feel uh, deeper and more profound and it can allow us to heal in ways that we weren't always aware that we needed to heal yeah so it's it's you know engage in that creativity again whatever form it takes for you whether it's with an art therapist or on your own whether it's drawing music uh journaling writing get involved in that creative process because you'll find that there's a whole deeper part of you that is just waiting to come out and express itself i'm david diana host and producer of a look within conversations on mental health and well-being we want to thank Marianne Hebner for joining us today. And you may learn more about her art therapy programs at Hopeway by visiting hopeway.org. And of course, we want to thank all of you for listening and hope you'll join us next time. A Look Within Conversations on Mental Health and Wellbeing podcast is hosted and produced by David Diana and the South Carolina Department of Mental Health. We hope you'll join us for our next conversation.